Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Except I'm not joined physically by John. We record the podcast remotely over Skype. We always have. So we've been practicing social distancing since long before it was in vogue. That said, John, I know you're more of a social creature than I am. You're more of an extrovert. So... I'm not fishing for a punchline here. Just a, a serious question. How are you handling the limited interaction so far? And have you picked up any new hobbies to pass the time, or are you mostly just doubling down on work? Uh, yeah, Eric, I, I think most of us in any segment of the U.S. gaming industry, we've been busier this week than we expected to be. And yeah. I think the same holds true for next week as well. You know, After that, though, yeah, it might be time to consider that hobby. Yeah, I'm a commissioner of a 37th-year rotisserie baseball league, by the way, and I'm its inaugural champion in 1984, if I may brag. Um, <laughs> and I always do weekly end-of-season reviews of each team. Uh, yeah. That gives me like 12 weeks of material uh, for the owners to nibble on for most of the offseason. Um, but I just yesterday started posting what's going to be weekly farmhand drafts on our league website dating back to 2013. We have both April and June drafts. So mm. we can all raise our eyebrows and our grimace at the choices and the roads less traveled. Kind of like if you look at those retro uh, NFL or NBA drafts and you're like, wow, that team, right. <laughs> somebody got fired. You know, They didn't draft Michael Jordan or whatever. Right. <laughs> so um, and I think for them, knowing that there's something new coming each week, um, even if it's old, uh, is kind of soothing. And that's the sort of thing I would encourage people to do. Yeah, that's not a bad hobby. And certainly the idea of looking back at historical sports moments of one kind or another, are, are that's basically how yeah. everyone is filling their sports programming void yeah. right now. So, And I, I know a lot of people are talking about how much spare time they have now to watch TV and movies or get caught up on podcasts. Uh, th that hasn't been the case for me. Uh, and I'm certainly not complaining, mind you. I'm extremely grateful to have a job I can continue doing. Uh, but with my usual work schedule and my kids now around all the time, I'm not finding myself with any extra hobby time. Uh, but again, uh, certainly not complaining. Um, but as I said on my boxing podcast last weekend, I'm a natural introvert. Uh, I don't need to meet any new people the rest of my life. Uh, I don't I don't crave social interaction. I'm relatively well equipped for this particular crisis. And, uh, you know, no, no offense, John, but uh, I only talk to you because I have to. 
<laughs> yeah, I always got that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 83 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 82 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, I hate to say it, uh, but there's never been a better time to entertain yourself by listening to old podcasts. Yeah, that's fair enough, Eric. And uh, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by Roto Grinders, director of premium content, Chris Gimino. Uh He's going to help us take our minds off the serious stuff as we talk NFL football and there was plenty this week. Um, we're going to ask Chris's opinion on the betting implications of Tom Brady going to Tampa, the other trades and free agent signings. Um, we'll pick his brand on MVP candidates for the upcoming season to, to consider. Um, but first, it's been a strange but very busy news week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. As might become standard in the weeks ahead, we're expanding the news segment a bit. We'll be covering four stories this week instead of the usual three. And our first couple deal with the impact of the coronavirus on the gambling industry. When we recorded last Thursday morning, the NBA had suspended play, but most other leagues and sports were still up in the air. Over the next several hours, the NCAA, NHL, XFL, Premier League, etc., Basically, everything except for one-off combat sports events and some minor overseas games was taken off the schedule. And if there are no sports, there is no sports betting. A quick glance at one of the legal online sports books this morning shows NFL offseason props, Belarusian soccer, Aussie rules football, and that's about it. Uh, and uh, Daily Fantasy is similarly decimated. Uh, the operators have gotten creative in spots. I played in some single-episode Survivor Fantasy contests uh. on FanDuel last night. <laughs> I made money! Um, okay. But, <laughs> but uh, there's only so much they can do. And uh, March Madness is an especially crushing blow for sports fans who wait all year for it and for sports books who see more handle off that tournament than any other event all year. Pennsylvania and New Jersey recently released their February sports betting numbers, and they were fairly standard. March numbers will look very different. John, what are your thoughts on how brutal this is going to be for sports books, how they've dealt with it so far, whether mobile betting on the NFL draft is going to be off the charts, and anything else on your mind? Uh, my first thought is for listeners and, and bettors. Um, uh, and look, all of us are shell-shocked in, in our own way these days, obviously. Um, yep. I just want everybody to take serious stock of their employment situation. Um, you know, I have a nephew who is a new doctor. I have a niece who's a critical care nurse. Um, a, they're not at risk of losing their jobs uh, ever, and uh, they have neither time nor interest in gambling. But um, outside of those occupations, um, uh, I would consider dialing back the gambling itch if uh, you don't have a uh, large uh, reserve. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, good advice. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's. Uh, it's a major issue of people under stress. And, um, you know, we talked last week about problem gambling, compulsive gamblers, and, and they're what they call at risk people. So, uh, they've been fine so far and they're not, uh, risking the, the monthly mortgage or anything like that at all. But, um, that group that was going to be fine under normal circumstances, um, some of them might, might be pushed a little bit from the stress. And, and I think everybody's got to think about that. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, your mind went to the gamblers. Mine, yeah. uh, uh, and mine probably should have. Maybe this says something about me, but I was, uh, <laughs> I am still thinking about industry stuff. Uh, I, I do expect that 
NFL draft betting in the states that allow mobile betting will be gigantic this year, multiple times the handle it attracted last year. Uh, but that's April, of course. Uh, in March, you're getting a little less than half a month of normal betting volume, so uh, numbers will plummet. I'll be curious to see the over-under line that Captain Jack sets for New Jersey for March. Um, you know, the operators are, are doing what they can, but there, there's only so much you can do. Uh, you know, people might place a small bet on a sport they don't know just to have a sweat, but uh, I think it's very few people will risk significant money on a sport they're, they're unfamiliar with. I have a friend who's a huge Aussie Rules football fan. Uh, maybe I'll ask him for some advice. I know he does bet those games, but, you know, it, it's, it's going to be dry overall. People will be losing their jobs, and all we can do is hope that the health situation is relatively controlled and leagues can resume in a couple of months. Uh, I, I don't think there's any scenario in which it happens before June, but I'll at least root, I'll at least root for that. If it's June, you're talking three bad months and then sports books can hopefully recover. I think that's on the money. I, I, I know some people who are, uh, I always know, I always know somebody. Don't I? <laughs> yes, yeah. you do. <laughs> and even, even in this serious uh, situation, I know people are in on the, the key calls in the medical community and, um, mm-hmm. uh, New York city obviously is going to be the hardest hit. Yeah. Um, and I learned last week that this week and next week are going to be a disaster. And, you know, every day you're, you're seeing it and yeah. you're going to keep seeing it. Um, but in just two weeks, there's a chance we might see, you know, it might just be a slow in the growth, which is bad, but it's something because, uh, you know, I'm in North Jersey and uh, uh, the state of New Jersey is in curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. every day. So for those in other states that are less affected and, and I don't really get it, so to speak. Um, right. Yeah, we're, we're pretty locked down and um, that is going to help at some point. It's going to take a few weeks, right. but it will help. And so, yeah, the question is, again, are we just slowing the growth or are we like stopping in its tracks? I mean, there's claims of that in China, but I don't trust anything China tells me. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, I've, I, I've stared at enough uh, graphs of curves for a, mm. for a lifetime lately. So uh, yeah, it, you know, it varies a little bit, but certainly it, it's going to be steep for a while. And we just, uh, you hope that the leveling off comes sooner than later and then the, and then the decline. But uh, yeah, yeah, it looks like we're we're kind of on the same page about the the approximate timeline that we're looking at here. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, not too long after the sports world came to a halt, uh, land-based casinos followed suit. Our own Gary Rotstein started an article on usbets.com on Saturday and has been constantly updating it as state governments have mandated casino closings to limit the spread of the virus. In Pennsylvania, it started over the weekend. New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut followed on Monday. Illinois and Michigan have closed casinos just days after launching brick-and-mortar sports betting. Uh, And the big one, Nevada, finally shut down its casinos on Wednesday after some of them were trying ridiculous measures like three max poker tables. Uh, The lights are out on the Las Vegas Strip. This is truly a stunning moment in history that we're living through. But not surprisingly, we've heard off the record from some sources that online casino games in your state and mine, two of the very few states that offer them, are generating enormous traffic. So, John, any thoughts on these casinos closing their doors and the economic impact and job impact there? Uh, and is there a chance that, whether soon or many months down the road, this situation leads to more states getting on board with online casino or online poker? 
Yeah, it's a weird time of year because uh, a lot of legislators are either out or almost out. And if they're still going, they've got better things to do. But, um, yeah, the, the lack of online uh, uh, gambling in states like uh, New York um, is going to have a big impact. And yeah. it's going to have a big impact in the other way in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Um, and and kind of to my previous response, you know, for so many of our listeners, gambling is kind of a blow off some steam sideline from the rigors of everyday life. And, you know, I expect them to gravitate towards something. Right. And I would say to be especially careful careful about online casino gambling. Um, The first step is recognizing that if you're a straight up player against the spread single game football, you know, for three or four months, um, the house's margin is very slim. You can make plenty of wagers and not likely lose a lot of money and maybe even make a little Uh, casino games. Yeah, you can lose a lot and and a lot quickly. So uh, to reiterate, uh, be careful out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right that it applies more to the online casino games than anything else. Um, I mentioned this on our editorial team conference call yesterday uh, that, uh, you know, this this is very anecdotal, but online poker traffic at Poker Stars in Pennsylvania is clearly up. The heads up sit and goes that I play are filling faster. And whereas I used to see a lot of the same screen names in those games, this week, I've been seeing a lot of new names, uh, including some people who really don't have a clue what they're doing, uh, which may be good for me short term. But uh, it's now I play small. So there I'm not, the people uh, that are losing money to me are losing small amounts, which hopefully they can manage. And hopefully that's how people are approaching this. They are just gambling with with money they can't afford to lose. But uh, it's also not great for building the poker player pool long term if people Uh, really don't know what they're doing and show up and lose quickly and and give up. But um, industry-wise, this is a wake-up call that if you have casino gaming in your state, you may as well have online gaming. Uh, It doesn't take away from your land-based revenue, whatever Sheldon Adelson might think, uh, and it can bail you out at a time like this. Yeah, I once met with three professional poker players, and several are big names that people would know. And and you know, kind of digesting what they do and how they can win online as well as in person, which is amazing. Because the you know typical poker movie type of thing, the tell and the guy touches his nose, and that means he's a great hand. You get that, and you think, well, how can they do that online? They can't see the person, and of course they can do it. The the amount of time that somebody takes to bet, they yep. they can read people, which I find amazing. But I also you know said to one of them, I you know I'm sorry of terrified i i don't want to play online poker because what if you're there and they said well just play low stakes uh, you know it's not like uh, you know frankly uh, daily fantasy sports you know that you had the algorithms of the guys could play thousands of games um online poker and i saw them do it they'll play 10 12 games at a time um right. on their screen but not a thousand games at a time so they said it's not worth our while to wade in those uh, shallow pools that you're that you're swimming in so even though you're going to take their money at least it won't be a, a professional poker player <laughs> right i i am the shark of the yes. lowest stakes waters i suppose right. um <laughs> but uh but yeah and uh, you know i think it ties in with my uh natural introverted nature that i'm better at online poker than i am live <laughs> um so but yeah there are there are timing tells you can read and more even more than that it's not about tells it's about getting a sense of people's betting patterns and uh, and the the way that they play strong hands versus the way that they play weak hands you can get a quick sense of someone uh, and and usually play off of that and have a little a little bit of an edge but uh, uh, enough enough of me giving away all my secrets <laughs> uh, this next story 
is only partially about coronavirus impact. It has to do with state legislatures, something you were just uh, touching on, John, and the, the fact that many have suspended their sessions, which means no more sports betting legislation progress for now in those states. So it's not looking good in Ohio, Kentucky, Missouri, Louisiana, and Georgia. Meanwhile, the legislation in Virginia can become law without the governor's signature, And we got some unexpected good news this week out of Maryland, where on Wednesday, just before the session ended, the Senate passed by a 45 to zero vote, a measure that would put sports betting in the hands of the voters in November with a ballot question asking, quote, do you favor the expansion of commercial gaming in the state of Maryland to authorize sports and event betting for the primary purpose of raising revenue for education? That is much better phrasing, I would say, than what we saw in Colorado. Uh, But before it goes on the ballot, Governor Larry Hogan has to sign off on SB4. And the bill was stripped down and will need to be amended at some point since it currently contains no details on tax rates and on who can be involved in running a sports book. So still some hurdles to clear. But how are you feeling about Maryland's chances? And are Maryland and Virginia the last two hopes for new sports betting states this year? Uh, yes, on the last two hopes. I'm yeah. surprised in this worldwide environment that there are any at all. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, as far as amending the uh, the, the ballot question, um, in 2016, New Jersey had a half-assed uh, uh, North Jersey casino amendment thing. There was no tax rate in the uh, in the ballot question. Um, it was within 72 miles of the northern border or something. It was just uh, kind of bizarre. So um, certainly Maryland should uh, amend this and, and make it more detailed. But um, they can go to Jersey's route and make it uh, very vague and uh, lose by 80 percent to 20 percent. But um, right. <laughs> uh, but I would say the phrasing of Maryland is a lot better than Colorado, as you note, um, yeah. which basically passed by a long Broncos field goal. You know? <laughs> um, right. And uh, we don't like to admit it, but arguably a majority of voters won't even know this is on the ballot until they are in the polling booth in November, right? If those still exist, uh, you know, or until, uh, you know, less than a minute before they, before they finish filing online, whatever right. the, uh, the method is. Right. But um, raising revenue for education uh, is nebulous and appealing. So uh, give me 110 to win 100 on passage. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely on the same side as you. And, you know, this is, I guess, a smart way for Maryland to go to to get something bare bones through now and, and then figure out the details later. And they they had to do it. We always talk about these these regional pressures. Um, mm-hmm. You can't have Virginia and D.C. go online, not to mention Delaware, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. But you, you can't have all of them and sit out if, if you're Maryland. You have to get involved. Yeah, nobody challenged me last week, and I think South Carolina and Florida are the only two states that don't have a bordering state that uh, offers sports betting, and uh, I think maybe that's right in the continental U.S. So got Hawaii and Alaska too. Right, right. All right. If nobody corrected you, then I will assume you are correct. <laughs> uh, all right. Our, our fourth and final item goes in a different direction as we turn to a sport that is still up and running to an extent: horse racing. We have good news and bad news, and I'll hit the bad news first. This was actually last week's news, but we didn't comment on it, and more details have emerged in the horse racing doping scandal that saw 27 indictments and will shake up the industry, and I'll leave it to John to provide the the key details on that story in a moment, but uh, needless to say, it's not a good look for horse racing. On the positive side, given the dearth of sports options for viewing and betting, Horse racing is getting a chance to expand its audience, as NBC Sports announced plans on Wednesday to increase its coverage. 
and is expanding its relationship with online horse racing network TVG. So the various races that are continuing, uh, the Kentucky Derby is postponed, but many other races are proceeding without live audiences. Uh, those races will reach a wider national TV audience. Uh, so John, fill in the key details on the doping scandal and its potential impact. And do you expect the public to embrace horse racing in these strange times with little else to watch sports-wise? Yeah, I mean, this doping scandal in any other scenario might have been a death knell for the sport. Um, it, it's just brutal the way um, uh, there, you know, there are tapings by the government they they have of phone calls where trainers are sort of joking about, oh, you know, these horses are dead and we gotta we gotta hide them, we gotta bury them. Oof. I mean, the callousness of it is just absolutely brutal. Um, so. Um, we've already got animal rights advocates or against the sport entirely. Um, it's under siege by a Pennsylvania governor who's not inclined to keep diverting hundreds of millions of dollars in annual slot machine revenues to the industry. Um, and th this indictment is like 11 days ago. Leading trainer at Monmouth Park for the past seven years, uh, the trainer for the controversially disqualified Kentucky Derby temporary winner, Maximum Security, is in this. Um, two of the leading harness racing uh, trainers at Yonkers Race are indicted. Um, it, it's just brutal. But um, – the initial indictments came just two days before the NBA suspended operations, so it, it didn't get a full look, as you note, from traditional news media by any means. So um, pivoting to the second point, yeah, 80 million households get the NBC Sports Network. Um, many of them don't even know they have it on cable, but they have it, and they'll be looking for it. Um, they'll be able to watch a simulcast of TVG's coverage, not only of the Louisiana Derby and Florida Derby these next two weekends, but all the pre-race and post-race coverage. Um, I don't expect any of that coverage to address the doping issue, frankly. So right. um, casual bettors looking for any port in a storm, they may well, may well enjoy betting on something sporting that takes place somewhere in the U.S. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the the big three sports 100 years ago were baseball, yeah. boxing, and horse racing. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed horse racing would be the one position to make mm. a comeback, uh, but it, it, it has a chance. I, I might check it out. Uh, you know, I don't see myself becoming a big horse racing fan, but... I'll watch a few races if they line up with my schedule and I might make some very small bets to, to make those races more exciting. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, five and 10 years ago, people were confused because they'd go to a racetrack and there's hardly anybody there. So they thought, wow, this sport is dead. There's nobody betting on it. Nobody cares about it anymore. But, um, in kind of a prescient fashion, all the gamblers stayed home. So they right. have TVG, they have their online, they used to be phone and now it's internet betting. And, um, they still are into the sport. They still gamble. The total numbers are pretty good. It's just that it was confusing to people because, um, you know, NFL's popular. We know that because there's 80,000 people in the stand. <laughs> right. Uh, but that doesn't tell you how many people are watching. Now, in the NFL's case, there's millions more watching at home. Right. But with horse racing, the sense was, well, there's nobody here in the grandstands. So the sport's dead. But no, they were already betting at home. And so, yeah, they stumbled into this. But guess what? They're the one sport that uh, is already well equipped for people to bet at home. And now that's what people have to do. Yeah, they're, they're way ahead of the curve on the empty grandstands with people watching anyway. Uh, we're going to see that in, in more sports when they do return, I think. Um, and to, to discuss the, the doping scandal, um, obviously it sounds awful. Um, I don't know that it's going to limit the sports fan base, partially for the reason that, that you point out that, you know, it got pushed uh, pushed off the front page or back page or wherever it was landing uh, by the, the other stuff going on in the world. But also... We're used to steroid scandals at this point in sports, and, you know, if the people involved get punished, then fans will kind of shake it off and keep watching. We've seen that in other sports. I was thinking this week, though, uh, this tangentially related, 
I feel like the coronavirus situation is going to help the Houston Astros. Whenever mm. baseball comes back, I feel like fans will have a little less hate in their heart for those Astros players. We'll see, but uh, but that's my guess. Yeah, they it's that's a, that's the weirdest lucking out I've ever heard of. But um, yeah, and as far as the headlines and the horse racing, right? This is a, a cheating scandal like uh, steroids or the Astros. That's the thought. So it's like, yeah, it's bad, but people cheat. Every sport that is, there's cheaters, and that's what happened. So some horse racing guys cheated. It's the details that I mentioned that are not going to be noticed by the general public of, you know, the the defense in the horse racing industry. And I understand was the idea was that, you know, they love these horses. They care for these horses. They're they're family to them. And so, yeah, they might try and, you know, cheat a little bit to win a race and make some extra money, but they would never want to harm the animal. That's very important to them. And if you read multiple indictments, multiple these these wiretap conversations, these trainers didn't care at all, uh, you know, based on the allegations. And and that is what could have been a death knell. But nobody noticed it. Nobody's going to notice. So they're going to they're going to skate on this one, I think. Yep. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Although most sports have seen their activities halted over the past week, the one major sports league that has been able to continue apace due to the timing of its offseason is the NFL. There's been a steady flurry of trade news and free agent news this week, and to help us figure out the potential betting impact of it, we welcome back to the podcast for his second appearance, a man who told us all to bet on the Ravens at plus 300 to win their division last August, Roto-Grinders Director of Premium Content, Chris Gimino. Chris, thanks for joining us again on Gamble On. Thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to talk NFL. It's good to be talking about some kind of professional sport that's not video games right now. That's what we're dealing with in DFS right now, the eSports. It's, it's, it's bringing me down a little bit. I'm happy to talk football. All right, good. Well, I'm glad we could uh, pull you away from esports for a few minutes here. Um, and I should preface my first question by saying, of course, that we don't know whether the NFL season will start on time. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's be positive and, and assume it will. The biggest news, undoubtedly, is Tom Brady leaving the Patriots and landing with the Bucks. The Patriots moved from about 15 to 1 to about 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, and Tampa Bay moved from about 25 to 1 to 16 to 1. What's your take on those odd shifts? Are, are they accurate based on what Brady can still do at age 42? Or is it mostly just the books predicting how the betting public will react? Well, first of all, you know, Brady at age 42 seems to look like Brady at like age 35, right? He doesn't look like a guy who's hitting the complete bottom end of what he can do in the NFL, albeit he's still not the player he once was. Now you put him in Tampa Bay with offensive weaponry like O.J. Howard, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and you're suddenly looking at an upgrade for him as a quarterback. Maybe he can play better uh, from a fantasy perspective and certainly from uh, a real-life wins perspective for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's not going to make the mistakes Winston made. He's not going to put the team in bad spots. He's not going to turn the football over. Uh, So I do think that the Buccaneers improving in odds does make some sense from a real football perspective. What I don't think makes as much sense is the Patriots dropping. Now, I just mentioned to you that you know, I didn't think Tom Brady is the player he once was. Jared did him. If he's the starting quarterback, he played fairly well in his rookie season in the preseason. And I do think that the coaching situation and the learning environment out there in New England could lead them to be better than people think, especially if he does end up winning that starting job. He was one of the highest graded passers in pro football focus. Last season, he threw for over 700 yards. I do think the Patriots probably shouldn't have dropped quite as much. I don't think that they're necessarily dead in the water. 
Hmm, interesting. And so that would be sort of a case that the, the quarterback would be serviceable and that Belichick uh, is, is just that good that you, that you can't write them off. I'll go a step further and say we don't actually know that Jared Stidham isn't great yet. Like we, I, in that system, if he is good at operating it and he looked pretty good last year in the preseason, I'm not so sure he's not going to be better than Brady was last year. All right, Chris, some other quarterback news are going on this week, too. Uh, uh, Phillip Rivers to the Colts. We got Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers. Um, the Bears, I guess, just, just got Nick Foles. Um, the Eagles re-signed Nick Sudfeld. Uh, or what, Nate Sudfeld, that's his name? Whatever that is. It's, that's for Eric, anyway. That's, a, that's just a joke. We don't worry about Sudfeld. But what about those other three and then some other ones, too? Uh, is there any, uh, any, anything moved the needle on these odds, really, uh, for you? Or are, they, are, any, are these teams really much better or worse? Well, I think the Colts are definitely going to be a little bit better, but not as much better as you would think with Rivers in his current state. The 20th graded quarterback by pro football focus standards last season definitely had some problems, was certainly able to generate lots of passing yardage and offensive production, did not lead to team wins. You look at the offense around him, he's got an offensive line, he's got a big-time weapon with T.Y. Hilton, and he's got a running game. So overall, I do think the Colts get better, but probably not as much better as you would think. Now, when you start to look at some other teams, Bridgewater to the Panthers, I don't think that matters at all. I mean, Bridgewater's deep ball attempt rate last year was like one of the lowest in the league. He was like 7% or something like that in terms of his numbers, deep passes versus overall passes. So he was dinking and dunking. I don't think he's a major weapon. Certainly not someone who's going to unlock the deep potential of DJ Moore or anyone else in that offense. And from a real wins perspective, I just don't see the Panthers getting better with his help. And then finally, I do want to mention really quickly, Nick Foles. To the Bears, I do think that pretty much anyone's better than Mitchell Trubisky, and there could be a little bit of value there with Foles if he plays like the Philadelphia Eagles Nick Foles, but the only team that Nick Foles seems to play well on is the Philadelphia Eagles, so I can't say I'm really saying that moves the needle just yet. All right. Well, we've done a lot of quarterback uh, talk so far, and uh, we'll, we'll continue it here uh, with a question about uh, what MVP bets, if any, you're liking. Uh, I, I had my eye on Kyler Murray at 45 to 1 last week, but since the Hopkins trade, he's come down to about 25 to 1. I, I don't know if there's still value there. Are there any other long shots you like, or are you inclined to ref- recommend a, a safer pick like Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I'd be fading Kyler Murray at this point. I do think that their offense will definitely be improved, but will they actually become a team that wins a lot of football games? You know, that's a tough division that they're, you know, currently entrenched in. And I'm not so sure that all the adding all these offensive weapons means adding real life wins. And we know that MVP votes are going to be closely correlated to wins. I, you know, you always can take a look at somebody like some of these favorites like Mahomes and Wilson and Drew Brees, Aaron, even Aaron Rodgers at plus. 2000 isn't like a terrible bet here. You know, these are guys that are definitely just going to lead their teams into contention year in and year out, albeit you're not getting a very good price on it. As you scroll down this list, you're probably getting priced out in terms of, you know, whether these guys can actually win an MVP. And I don't really have a strong take at this point in time without seeing how the draft shakes out, without seeing how some of the additional moves shake out. All right. Well, speaking of how the draft shakes out, uh, I'll tell you the one bet that I've made so far, just for a teeny tiny fraction of a unit. Uh, I bet on uh, Joe Burrow at 200 to one. Uh, is, that a, is that a reasonable long shot in your view? I could never bet a rookie, even like a cent. You know, I just don't see how a rookie is <laughs> going to come out with the MVP. I, I don't think the voters would go for something like that. It would have to be an unheard of season. And certainly the Bengals are not going to win games. And I do think Burrow's probably going to the Bengals. 
Okay, so you're saying my, my fraction of a unit uh, I've, I've donated to the sports book. It's possible you used to have two dollars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris, there's so many moves going on this week. Uh, announced, almost announced, and everything else. And you said the draft is ahead still. But as far as just the free agents uh, in general, um, any team uh, really improved themselves a lot. It seems like a lot of teams like the Cowboys. They they keep Amari Cooper. That's a big plus. But then they lose a couple of key defensive players, and it's kind of back and forth with a lot of teams. So uh, any team that really had a significant uh, net positive this week, or or significantly decline overall well look it's hard to say what's going to happen with buffalo right now with stefan diggs but i think they went once again which they seem to do every couple of years they've mortgaged a lot to get a player that i don't know actually adds that much to their win potential uh mm-hmm. they are going to be in a division now that is tom brady list for the first time in a very long time so they definitely did need some offensive help diggs does help them i'm not so sure it's worth the price but it at the end of the day, I don't think the price is going to matter when week one comes around and, and suddenly Josh Allen's throwing to Stefan Diggs instead of some of these other jabronis they've had in years past. And, of course, we mentioned the Arizona Cardinals. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is an incredible player. Like, one of the problems with the Air Raid last season was that they couldn't get, they couldn't get vertical. They couldn't really get, unlock the entire potential. They kept Kenyon Drake around. Kenyon Drake was an excellent player for them last season. And if they can start to protect Kyler Murray a little bit better in year number two, they certainly could – have improved, albeit I'm not so sure it's enough to take that division down, but they definitely did win in free agency. Uh, it is always great talking to you, Chris. We'll let you get back to the DFS esports grind now, but uh, we appreciate your time and thanks for uh, coming on Gamble On again. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Chris. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. This is not your usual Gamble on Bankroll segment. We won't be placing any new bets, uh, but there are some updates to go through. First off, John placed two bets last week on Adam Scott in the golf tournament that ultimately lasted one day and on the Houston Roughnecks in an XFL game that didn't happen. So those are both voided. Uh, And we have one other voided bet to announce about two months ago. I put $50 on plus 430 underdog Victor Postol in a boxing match against Jose Ramirez that was scheduled for February 1st in Haiku, China, uh, Mm. but was postponed uh, about a week out due to coronavirus. The fight was later scheduled for May 9th in California, but COVID-19 followed it to the U.S., Mm. so it's off again. Uh, And I wouldn't have known that this was voided uh, officially, but uh, I placed a bet on the fight in real life. And I noticed this week that indeed the bet has been voided. So uh, we'll we'll follow the same rules here. And that's uh, $50 back in our bankroll. That means at this moment, we are up $149 and we have $1,090 on hold in futures bets. And uh, let's just go through some of those futures bets quickly, as I'm sure people listening have their own futures bets that they're uncertain about. Uh, well, the future of uh, let's do basketball first. We have the Clippers for the NBA title at plus 1400 and the 76ers for the Eastern Conference at plus 450. We'll have to wait and see if there is an NBA postseason, at least, uh, before we know what happens with those bets. Uh, we had the Knicks under 29 and a half wins, and we were looking great. They're 21 and 45, would have needed to go 9 and 7 to go over, but that's probably headed toward a very frustrating void for us. Uh, and we had the Lakers at minus 200 to finish with more wins than the Raptors. So, 
if they don't play any more regular season games, that mm. will eventually go into the books as a win for us. Uh, John, anything to say about those NBA bets? And I guess we already kind of touched on this in terms of optimism level for resumption of the season uh, mm. that you, you think uh, June is a possibility. Uh, yeah, well, I, overall, I'd say, uh, you know, we lost my trailblazers over bet by one game. They didn't quite make it long enough. So that was a tough beat. Um, right. Knicks were a great lock, lock for us. Clippers are tasty too at that number. Um, yeah. And I also wrote this week on usbets.com about how uh, unorthodox NBA commissioner Adam Silver is in terms of wanting to upend the traditional season anyway, uh, you know, in season tournaments, um, more teams in the playoffs. He just, he, he doesn't think the current, you know, sort of 82 games, 16 team playoff thing works at all. And he really wants to shake it up. So um, there's also talk about a already before this issue about a mid-December start to the 2021 season uh, anyway. So I'd say it's way better than even money that NBA stars perform in some sort of wager worthy competition at some time this summer. Their NBA is very much looking to do it and um, they'll they'll make it happen one way or the other. Okay. Uh, and uh, that article you referenced on uh, U.S. Bets is, a, is, is a definitely a good one. Uh, interesting stuff there. Everyone should check that out if they didn't see it already. Um, we also have the Maple Leafs for the Stanley Cup at plus 900. We'll have to wait and see what the NHL does. And the Roughnecks for the XFL title at plus 1,000. Same deal. Uh, the rest of the regular season is canceled, but no word yet on whether an XFL postseason is still on the table. John, am I crazy to hope the XFL will just declare the Roughnecks champions? Yeah, I'll give you a million to one on you winning that XFL <laughs> bet. So just chalk it up as a bad beat at five and zero and ten to one. Yeah. yeah. Um, as for the Maple Leafs, I would take a refund if I could. Um, now they're in a playoff spot at the moment, uh, uh, and even granting any shipping come in with the Stanley Cup playoffs, we know that. But um, I don't, I don't see it. They're just sort of staggering through a lot of talent and uh, just showing up. And uh, I would look for an early exit, so I would have cashed out if I could. Okay. Uh, lastly, baseball. We have the Pirates under seventy-one and a half wins, and the Yankees under one hundred and a half wins. Those will almost certainly end up voided whenever it becomes official that the MLB will not play a 162-game schedule. We also have Mike Trout for AL MVP at plus 150. That one stays in effect in a shortened season. Anything to comment on with our MLB futures, John? Yeah, I love the Yankees bet, and uh, the answer is, again, that's going to be a bad beat for us. Although, they'll be healthier by the time they play again, too, so huh. I won't short them again in a new schedule environment. I mean, the 162, and, you know, I bet just before Luis Severino got the Tommy John surgery news, right. and um, and then, of course, Aaron Judge and the others went down, uh, Stanton, so uh, I was in a great spot, and then now I'm not, so I will stay uh, get away from the Yankees in the future. Okay. All right. Well, going forward on the podcast, uh, I would say to our listeners, expect that we'll skip the bankroll segment entirely some weeks. But if we have a futures bet status to update, we will. And we always have the option to place a bet on a, a minor sporting event or an NFL future or something like that. But for the most part, the podcast will be light on bankroll and we'll make up for it with a little extra news. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Chris Gimino. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And a quick note here, if you're looking for something to read this week with no March Madness to watch, just published today on njonlinegambling.com is my in-depth oral history of the controversial 2019 
DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship. Uh, the follow-up event was due to start today. It was canceled, of course, but I talked to all the key figures in last year's event. Winner Randy Lee, Rufus Peabody, Daniel Steinberg, Cal Spears, and others. And they gave a lot of details I didn't know. They told the story well. So definitely check that out on njonlinegambling.com if you need a little sports betting-related fix this week. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out. Yeah, Eric, you know, I'm not quite 60, but um, my parents were aged 43 and 39 when I was born. And uh, I mentioned that because they grew up in the Great Depression in the New York area. And, mm. you know, while they were traditionally stoic about what they survived, uh, they didn't talk about it a lot. Um, I absorbed it secondhand. Uh, I never went out to a traditional restaurant until I was an adult. Uh, that was wow. too much of an extravagance. Um, the first time any of us ever saw a plate literally filled with food was one Thanksgiving. Uh, my two sisters each brought their future husbands to dinner, and they stocked up on what to us would have been a weekend's worth of meals. Um, we later learned that we were the outliers, actually. Um, you know, my TV growing up had seven channels total, and one was PBS, and all they wanted to do was teach you stuff. So my siblings and I agree <laughs> that didn't even count. So there really sticks. <laughs> uh, I was 22 years old when I first got on an airplane. Um, and all that was met with amazement by, by my parents that uh, we could even do that. Um, there was a 50-year gap between plane rides uh, for my father. Uh, 1945 was his last B-17 bombardier mission over Germany. And 1995 was his trip to Disney World with his daughter and two grandchildren. Uh, mm. He had the ease then of knowing that no one this time would be shooting at his aircraft. So um, the point being, in the grand scheme of things, ultimately, this too shall pass. So with that, everybody, until next time, gamble on.